Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature, not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I am joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello there. Hello. And today we are bringing you another episode of our listeners' encounters. But before we get into that, our reminder, because we are getting close by the time you were hearing this. Mm-hmm. If you have not registered for our live event to celebrate two years of Three Spooked Girls, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Come on. <laughs> We have our general admission ticket for $10, and that gets you access to the show. And also, we'll be doing a giveaway of a care package of all kinds of spooky fun stuff. We've partnered with Death Wish. We've partnered with Crackers and Milk, which is a true crime shirt company and other stuff. She makes great stuff. Mm-hmm. And we have some other goodies from some other friends as well. So you just show up to the show and you get putting your name in a hat or whatever. And there we go. And if you would like to get a VIP ticket, those are $20. And with that, you get everything I just talked about. And then you also get a swag pack that'll be sent to you with all kinds of fun goodies Jessica's putting together. And we, in our time, we just chose the special cocktail for the event. So that's very exciting. VIPs, you will enjoy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so definitely check it out. It's in the link tree. It's in the pin post on the group. You can find it anywhere or go to Eventbrite and search the pod name and I'm sure it'll pop up. But if you are new here, we do want to say hello and welcome. These episodes are listener-submitted stories, so you can either send spooky or true crime ones, whichever you want. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Spooked Girls, and our Facebook group is 3 Spooked Girls Official. So definitely check that out. That's the best place to personally interact with Jessica and I, and we do all kinds of fun stuff. And then when we have exciting announcements, they usually 
actually end up in there first. So check that out for sure. We're also on TikTok. We are each our own accounts. In real time, I've posted my first two videos and Jessica is going to post some and they should be up by the time you're hearing this. (laughs) (laughs) Mainly, this is just going to be stuff for fun for us, plus some of the cases we've covered in the past or we find interesting. If TikTok's your thing, go follow us. Go follow us. And if you want to find us, I'll just put those down in the show notes for you and search us and find it. And ta-da, there we are. If you would like to support the show, we do have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash threespoopedgirls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month. From there, we have two, five, ten, and keeps going up tiers. Uh, You get more bonus episodes, video content, swag, including cups, mugs, and teas. So if you would like to support us on our spooky and true crime endeavor and have us basically three times a week, go check that out over there. Yeah, some really great content. Yeah, we have all kinds of fun stuff for sure. But really, I believe that is about it. So I'm going to hand it over to Jessica for our first story. So our first story this month comes from an anonymous submission. I don't know who this is. Tara puts it in the Word or the Google Sheet for me or Google Doc for me. So I don't even know who or where this came from. So only Tara. (laughs) Okay. So from anonymous. So to start off, I work for a state-run facility. So a little history for you on the property is it began as a Civil War orphan's home in 1866. Children were shipped there via train and dropped off as there were tracks that would run right by the property. However, it closed in 1876 and was turned into the first asylum for feeble-minded children. It was rumored that some orphans were stuck there and were kept along with these feeble-minded children. Anyways, this community began to be a self-contained community, having a cow barn, orchards, farmland, and a school. The children there had a range of disabilities. Some were minor mental disorders that could be managed now with therapy and medications. But back then we weren't capable or aware as we are now. I will get to the point because honestly I could go on and on about the history of this place and its building. But anywho, I began working there in 2016. One of my first places to work was the building referred to as the Girls' Cottage that was built in the 1900s, like 1904 or something. It was used back then to house the females that lived at the facility. Some died there during the TB outbreak, and some just died there. Creepy, right? Anyway, I first got the tour in my first month. We mainly just utilized the basement and the first floor. The second and third floors were used for storage, but the fourth floor was at one time being remodeled and was just abandoned. Anyways, we began our tour floor by floor. I don't think we were actually supposed to tour the fourth floor, but every floor we climbed, I felt it was a little harder to breathe and I was feeling uneasy. I finally make it to the fourth floor and began to walk around. I see that it looks like the workers just left one day, like a ladder in the middle of the hall and stuff just lying around. There were still the original wood floors and showers and the holes in the wall from the restraints. We made our way into the room where we could see the floor was covered in dust, but in the dust we could make out footprints, but not like from shoes. They looked like someone was walking barefoot. And before you think that it was just someone who worked there, no. No one would walk around barefoot in this building. And the footprints didn't go anywhere. You could just see four footprints in the floor that didn't lead anywhere. And they were just in this room along the edge of the wall. Anyways, three months later, my friend who had just started asked me to take her up there to see them because she had heard us talking about it. And I was hesitant, but she said we'd be okay. 
So we made our way to see the footprints in the dust and I told her it had been months and the footprints might not be visible. We stepped into the room and I shit you not, there were more. Bare footprints and they started in front of the closet and walked the perimeter of the room and circled in front of the window. Like a hundred times. The footprints looked like someone was showered and then walked through the dust. I was instantly going to puke. The footprints again didn't leave the room. There was a visible thick foot or two long, uninterrupted dust patch between the door frame. I booked it and ran downstairs, and I've never went back. I've had so many bad feelings in that building. Spooky. Right? And they had sent us a video, too, and I was too chicken to watch it. But apparently we can see footprints and stuff, so I'm definitely going to have to check it out now after re-hearing this. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, I know, right? All right, our next story comes from Ashley. Ashley writes, Hello, Tara, Jessica, and Kate. <laughs> I love when you guys... <laughs> Address the bell witch, too. It makes me happy. (laughs) She says, My name is Ashley, and I stumbled upon your podcast during this COVID crisis, and it got me out of the quarantine depression. So thank you for your show. Aw, you're welcome. I currently work remotely and listen to your show and then report everything to my husband. He probably thinks I'm insane. Anyways, I heard you love ghost pets and wanted to share my special ghost pet with you. So here it goes. In August of 2017, my sweet American Eskimo dog named Chloe was diagnosed with liver cancer. She was the most beautiful rescue with the softest, fluffiest fur and was the prettiest shade of snow white. Her dog is named Chloe? I know. It's sad, huh? Uh, My dog is named Chloe, in case anyone was wondering. Though her name was Chloe, I always called her Luna. After numerous vet appointments, my best option was to holistically treat the cancer and give her the best life possible. When I realized this was my only option, I sat with Chloe in my lap and my now husband by my side and told her I didn't want to decide her fate and I would absolutely love for her to spend one more holiday season with me, specifically until I took down our Christmas tree. I told her I knew it was a big request and if she simply couldn't do it, I would understand and not ever stop loving her. The months passed by and it's now November. I told my husband I wanted to buy a home for our dogs, we had two, because I wanted them to live their best life. We immediately got approved and started house hunting. We ended up finding our home and I excitedly shared the news with my dogs. Yes, I realize this is crazy, but they are my babies. No judgment at all. No. I told my husband that because we were getting a home, I wanted to rescue another dog, so this would be my third rescue, and we started looking. I found our dog Weston. He was shy and timid, but his personality matched Chloe's. I instantly knew he was the dog for us, and because he was from the same rescue as Chloe, they agreed to keep him until we closed on our home on December 22nd. We closed on our home on December 22nd and had Chloe and our dog Ollie make the announcement that we were homeowners to our family. That night, we sat around our apartment and opened up a few presents, mostly for the dogs. Chloe ate all of her treats, cuddled a lot, and I was simply overjoyed. I told my husband that I would be taking down the tree that night, as we had movers coming the day after Christmas and we had too much going on. He agreed and we took down the tree. That night I went to sleep, happy about the events of that day, and even more excited Weston would be joining us in the morning. When I awoke, I saw Chloe sleeping in her usual spot. I called to her, but there was no response. I called again and still nothing. I immediately ran to her, her body slightly warm, but still... I realized she had passed away. I picked her up crying, thankful she had held on until I took down the tree as I requested, but devastated that my baby girl was gone and wouldn't see her new home. I notified the rescue about Chloe's passing as she was one of theirs, and they offered to keep Weston longer. I declined, stating I promised him a home for Christmas, and he needed his forever home for Christmas. 
A couple months had passed and Chloe's ashes were sitting in our home. It was an abnormally warm day, so I decided to go outside and take pictures of our home. As I snapped them, I wasn't paying attention, but later looked and I could see a very bright orb, the height of Chloe in the front yard, and it moved around the yard, though I took multiple pictures of the same area. Later, I told my husband I heard something at the door, but nothing was there when I opened it. I didn't think much of it and went on about my day. Within a few hours of the occurrence, I kept acknowledging Weston being near me. My husband in another room heard me and announced Weston was outside and he had been for some time. So immediately, I realized it was Chloe and I was excited she had made it to the home we bought for her. Ever since that day, I have seen her all around my house. She's always in my dining room or in my office where I keep her bed still to this day. In fact, my neighbor asked me if we adopted another dog, and I have said no, to which they looked confused and described a little white dog looking out the window. That little white dog is my Chloe, but I simply tell them our pit bull we adopted in 2018 has a unicorn and that is what they see, as I don't want my neighbors thinking I'm a crazy ghost dog lady. I hope this story brings you the same glimmer of happiness as it does me. Thanks for reading my story, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for giving me a meaningful distraction from the chaos in the world. Ashley. I like that one. (laughs) There's so many feels about it right now. Right? It's such a roller coaster. I was like, she's talking about Chloe, and I'm like, ah, I have a baby girl named Chloe. And then when she's like, I totally did the connection when she was like, and we took down the tree. I was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Ashley. This is a Hallmark movie. Leave it up. (laughs) I was almost brought to tears, but it's also happiness because like, she's still with you. And when we're done recording, I'm going to tell my dog that when if she ever is to pass, she has to haunt me. I'll be okay with that. We're going to take a quick break for our new patron shout out and we'll be back with more stories. So we want to take a minute to say thank you to our newest patrons, Tamara, Jessica M, Jasmine, DJ, Skylar, Jen, Joanne, Carrie for increasing to our $5 tier, Valerie, Chrissy, Ashley, Mushu, Letty, Mary for increasing to our $5 tier, Bianca, and Brianna for increasing her patronage to $15 a month. Thank you guys so, so much for supporting the show. Honestly, we, like we say every single time, and you're like probably thinking we're a broken record, we are blown away each time we have anybody donate any of their hard-earned money to our show. It really just means so much. So thank you guys so, so much. Yes, thank you so much. And to the owner of Mushu, (laughs) you had me in stitches. Like, this person went all out. (laughs) Literally, the icon is Mushu from Mulan. And my heart was, like, super happy. (laughs) Right? I know. So we appreciate you. Yeah, it was great. Okay, and we have something a little different. We are actually just getting finished recording with Kelly. You heard that earlier this month. And she has a specific ghost story that she is going to share with you guys. So I'll let her take it away. So one of my good friends from college, her name's Natalie. Unfortunately, her dad passed away earlier this year. He went into ICU about end of January and passed away on her birthday right after. And it wasn't COVID. I actually just saw her last night and she told me this really great story. And I asked her, can I tell it? She's like, yes, please. She's from a town it's called Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. So it's like kind of boondocks, mm-hmm. you know, about two, two and a half hours from the city. And she said her brother-in-law was coming in like at her mom's house. They have a garage and they have a double garage. So her brother-in-law was coming from the double garage 
and in the garage was her dad's truck and it started and so Clarence walks into the house and he's like hey guys did anybody start the truck no the remote control was on like one of those key hooks and the other set of keys were in the cup holder in the truck and so they went out and they're like uh how did this start and they figured out this was John's way of being like hey I'm okay I'm here and it was just one of those like stories that just gives you goosebumps right away and so I asked Natalie I'm like hey can I share this on the podcast she's like absolutely it's one of those things like nobody was touching the keys the keys were hung up in the house and the other keys were in the cup holder so and this is a truck you need to put the key in the ignition and they were freaking out but I'm like Natalie this is just one of those signs of your dad saying hey I'm here I'm okay though and a couple of times, actually, when they've been hanging out, because, you know, they say, like, Cardinals are your loved ones coming by. And um, when the last time I was with her, we were at a brewery. And I'm like, Cardinal went by. I'm like, there's your dad, John. And definitely believe in that. I've had that, my own experiences with my grandparents. And just because this is so recent, it's not COVID. But it was just one of those sweet stories. I'm like, I just have to share this. Yeah. No, we love those family kind of like guardian angel quote quote stories where they're checking in on you Mm -hmm. they're our faves for sure all right well i'm gonna let you read us our next story our next story comes from ellie hi jessica and or hi tara and jessica i'm apparently so narcissistic i had to say my name first even though she wrote it the other way rude (laughs) jessica god <laughs> My name is Ellie, and I recently found your podcast. And I can honestly say, since being in lockdown in the UK, I have been listening to your podcast daily, and it has given me so much positivity and what otherwise would be a pretty crappy time. So, thank you so much for making my days a little brighter. Aww. Well, thank you for listening. People are so nice this month. Thank you. I know. <laughs> so sweet. Okay. After going through and listening to the past spooky encounters, I thought I would share my own story. Since I was little, I've been surrounded by creepy slash paranormal things. Most of the houses I've lived in have been built in the 17 or the 1800s. My mom's house was built in 1753 and was the old vicarage. If I'm saying that wrong, I am sorry. (laughs) I am an uncultured swine and yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if this is a thing in the U.S., but it's basically like a church official. Oh, vicarage. I just had to have context and then went back into three men and a little lady. (laughs) That's what it is. And my old bedroom overlooked the local graveyard, which used to terrify me. I mean, I can understand as a child that being super terrifying. So as you can imagine, me and my family have all had our fair share of paranormal encounters that I would love to share, but would be here forever if I wrote them all down. We're here for it. Mm -hmm. The experiences I have chosen to tell now all happen in the same house in a place in Lancashire, near where the Pendle witches were from. This house belonged to my dad's girlfriend, Jill, and her three children, and my mom and dad had divorced a few years prior. It was built in the early 1800s. It was a large Victorian-style house with high ceilings and big fireplaces, etc. From the first time me and my brothers visited the house, Jill made it clear she believed that the house was haunted. I was really interested in ghosts, 
and that sort of thing. So I would constantly ask her questions about this. She said that when she first moved into the house, she started renovations to update the property and every night she would hear banging on the walls of her bedroom. She thought at first it was just the plumbing, so she got a plumber to check everything, but everything was fine. Jill ended up calling an electrician and a builder out too. Both said everything was in working order. It wasn't until her friend joked that she should get a medium and that things changed. So Jill contacted a local medium who came and said, yes, the banging was coming from a spirit named Albert. Albert was an older man who had previously lived in the house and didn't like that there was someone else living there making renovations to the house that he had helped to build. The medium explained that this wasn't just his home now, and he agreed to stop banging if he was allowed to stay as he loved the house and in particular Jill's room, which used to be his room. This room was always colder in the evenings with the heating on full, so I guess Albert was true to his word and stayed. The medium also told Jill that there was a spirit of a little boy of around seven named, or called Peter who liked to play and loved being around people. I'm not sure if he knew he had passed on, which is quite sad. My experiences were mostly with Peter. As I said before, Peter wanted to play as most kids do. On one occasion, when I sat in the upstairs hallway talking about an upcoming party we were hosting, Peter turned on the remote control fire engine toy and drove it out from one of the beds through a doorway and around the corner where I sat. At first, I thought it was my brother and Jill's youngest son, Tommy, messing around. But as I went into the room the toy came from, there was no one there and the remote was on the floor. I ran out of there as fast as I could. I do wish I wasn't scared because I do genuinely think he was excited and wanted a friend. How do you get a house full of friendly ghosts? Like there's never like we've never heard of a house. It's like you have all these spirits living in there. But guess what? They're all super friendly. They all just want nice things. It's always one that's an asshole. Right. On another occasion, we had all come back from holiday and heading up the stairs to the bedrooms. Peter must have been pleased that we were home as he switched all the lights on and off. And in Tommy's room, which I think was his main hangout, Peter switched on a full box of toys and set all of the toy wooden birds flapping up and down, which were attached to the ceiling and needed the cords attached to them to be pulled for them to move. However, I think the most frightening encounter with Peter wasn't something that happened with me, but instead with Tommy, who was around the same age as Peter. No one had told Tommy about the ghost as they thought this would scare him more. And as a seven-year-old, he didn't really put two and two together. On Sunday night, Jill and my dad had put him to bed and gone downstairs to watch TV. Tommy had come down shortly after saying he couldn't sleep because the little boy wanted to play. Dad said that he was spooked because he knew me and my brother were back at my mom's and there was no other little boy in the house. Jill and my dad then proceeded to walk Tommy back to the bedroom. Peter had sat at all the toys in the room again, as well as the lights, but Tommy didn't seem to be scared. He just climbed back in bed. Jill then told Tommy to say out loud that he had to go to sleep now and would play in the morning. Tommy did this, looking to the side off the room as if talking to someone. Everything stopped then and went silent. We later asked Tommy what he saw when Peter came to play and he said a boy, but he was white and wispy and said it was kind of like a mist and he was scared because he was his friend. I hope you liked reading these experiences. If so, I have quite a few more that I'd love to share, but I'm conscious this email is getting quite long now. Thank you for all you guys do. Ellie, P.S. Tell the bell witch I said hi. <laughs> I love it. 
the little boy Peter sounds absolutely the most adorable little thing. Right. Okay. Well, our last story for the episode comes from Maria. Maria says, Hi, my name is Maria. And first off, I want to say what a huge fan I am of the podcast. I stumbled onto it earlier this year and have been binge listening old and new episodes since. Sorry if I ramble on and make this story long, but I just want it to be as clear as it is in my memory. One, thank you. Two, no one ever apologized for sending a long email because we love the long stories and please tell us all the details. <laughs> yeah, I like having the answers, not being like, what happened? Yeah. When I was a teenager, I would go to my hometown in Chihuahua, Mexico every summer. I have a lot of family there, so I'd usually stay with as many of them as I could since I didn't see them much throughout the year. After staying with my tia, it was time for me to go to my cousin's, her daughter's, house and stay there for the last couple of weeks of my vacation. She has a beautifully big house that I was excited to go see. Her husband works as a truck driver crossing between Mexico and the U.S., so he wouldn't be home often. It happened that when I went to stay with them, he had left for a long trip, so it was just going to be myself and my cousin and her two infant kiddos, ages two and six months. Both kids slept in the room with her since they were so young and she didn't like sleeping alone while her husband was gone. Her room along the bathroom was at the very end of the house down a hallway. The room I was staying at was directly across the kitchen like seriously you could open the door and take two steps and be in the kitchen. So one very late night around 1am ish I was in my room on my phone like any 16 year old girl back then on MySpace messaging my boyfriend back home. All was good until I heard noises coming from the kitchen. I heard a couple cabinets opening and being closed, not slammed or anything, just opened and closed. The silverware in a drawer being tousled as if someone was looking for something and footsteps walking around. It only lasted a couple minutes and at that moment I didn't give it any thought. I figured my cousin has a new baby so she's probably up making a bottle. I eventually get sleepy and try to go to sleep but I can't shake the feeling I'm being watched. Again, I chalk it up to nothing because I'm at a new place and I'm not comfortable yet. I eventually go to sleep and the next morning I go into the kitchen and see my cousin there giving the kids breakfast. I asked her if Anna kept her up last night since I had heard her in the kitchen. She immediately stops what she's doing and shoots me a confused look. She didn't wake up at all last night. I didn't even go in the kitchen, she says. And then I'm like, oh, okay, did your husband get home last night then? Because I heard somebody in the kitchen super clearly. Again, she tells me that no, he's not back in town for another couple of days. She then sees the shocked look on my face and the most calm voice begins to tell me how before this was their home, it was a freaking hospice. And they renovated it when they bought it and turned it into what is now their home. She says there are spirits here, but none of them are bad, and every now and then they'll make their presence known by doing little things like opening cabinets. I couldn't believe it. I mean, that's information you tell someone before you invite them in to stay with you. I would think nonetheless. I continued to stay with her until the end of my vacation and didn't hear or see anything after that. I hope this wasn't too long, and I hope this makes it onto your show. Love your show. Love you gals. We love you too. And here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Always giggle when there's stuff like that in there because I'm like, we're reading it. <laughs> we try to read every one's. Like, if you've submitted one that hasn't been read, it's probably that it's lost in the abyss of email. Yeah. Resend. <laughs> yes, yes, please. But if you would like to submit your own story, whether it be paranormal or true crime, you can send that to us at threespookgirls at gmail.com. That is the best place to send them. Or you can also send them to the like page and other places as well. They just have some of them have character counts. So we try to make it easier for you guys. But we are going to go ahead and wrap it up and we will see you back here on Thursday for a stabby snippet. Bye, guys.
Bye.